This episode is sponsored by Carla Riffle Makeup. I've been going to see Carla every time I want to feel my absolute hottest, whether that's a photo shoot, family photos, events, or I just want to treat myself. I go see Carla. She takes the time to listen to what I want and she helps me find it since I know next to nothing about makeup and especially how to apply it. If you're getting married, you have family photos coming up, you want to just treat yourself, you know, anything that you need makeup for, she's your gal, okay? She can help you get there. You can find her on Instagram at Carla Riffle Makeup and book through her email, Carla Riffle Makeup at gmail.com. That's K A R L A. R-I-F-F-L-E, Carla Riffle Makeup at gmail.com. It just kept showing in like the bottom right or the bottom left. It was like connecting the audio. Couldn't connect the audio. I'm like, why are you telling me that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it... I Wait, muted what? myself. <laughs> I don't know. If... <laughs> I said it I I set it up wrong because of the microphone and headphones, but we're here now. Yes. Hello, happy Friday. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I am not going to jump right into it, so this might be boring for listeners, but or I can cut this part out. I just want to make sure everything's running smoothly before we get into the good good conversation. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's see. I've got my notes here. I'm going to read your bio off my phone. Oh, no. I know. Um, It's a good one, though. It was fun. I'm very excited about this. Me too. I, I really am. I feel like you have so much to talk about and so much quality things to talk about. So let's get started. I would like to introduce my first Zoom guest. Um, we have Shang Slogar here. He is a 24-year-old web developer living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and is the founder of Diglactic. He said this will be the last made-up word for now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) An agency centered on building high-quality, people-focused tools and websites for small to medium-sized businesses and early-stage startups. There you go. It's a great little snippet of everything that you're doing right now. Um, Tell us a little bit about it, how you got started, Um, or should we talk about how we got in touch first? What's more interesting? I have no idea. Um, I'm still, (laughs) my brain is still bouncing a little bit um, from getting this all set up. And I actually, I have a tripod sitting right in front of my monitor. So that's why when we were like playing with audio, I was like (laughs) peeking around trying to see what was going on. Um, Hopefully you can't hear my chair creaking. This is, this is new for me too. So, you know, we got, got the whole zoom thing going on, but it's kind of funny. Um, I do all my work remote. All our clients are remote. And so I communicate with them, you know, only through uh, Zoom calls and, and and Microsoft Teams. If you want to get a little spicy, and uh, it, it's it, this is different. I, I I this is the first time doing something like this, and so I appreciate you, you know, taking the time and finding some interest. And hopefully, your audience will will find get something useful out of all of this too. But um, yeah, uh, I mean, there's a there's a long story. There's a short story of how I got started into all of this um but let's see where 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 do where do we begin one of the things that we do um and this is actually an easy test that you can do on any any website 
is um, we focus uh, on on keyboard accessibility initially. Um, there's a lot of other stuff with like color contrast and, you know, if you're like colorblind and, and choosing different colors and things like that. Um, screen readers are another part of them. You know, for instance, like we've seen on on Twitter, you can add like alt text. And what that does is makes it so if someone's using a, uh, is, is visually impaired and they have a, uh, a a screen reading tool installed on their computer it can it can read off you know those those images that they can't wouldn't otherwise be able to understand um that all text is the same thing that would be you know part of a website um you can even think of something like icons on a website if you have a uh, uh, uh an icon for instagram um well you can add all text to that to say hey this is the button that goes to instagram so someone who's visually impaired can see that um but the the thing i and most, I guess, proud of, again, is a weird word because I, I, we're still doing the bare minimum. But um, the thing that I find that we do that a lot of people don't do is keyboard accessibility. And so that is as simple as um, using the tab key on your keyboard to move around elements of a web page. And so think about, um, say, a menu. Like you, you could go to Amazon and there's like drop downs at the top and you hover, you move your mouse over and, and a drop down opens. Well, you want to be able to do that with a mouse. That's kind of nice. You can move that around. But say you're you, you have trouble with coordination and you're just using your keyboard. You also want to be able to press a button. You want to be able to tab around and open that menu in other ways. And sometimes that can just be tabbing over it um, and literally pressing the tab button. Um, tab goes forward. Shift tab goes backwards. Um, and then you can use the arrow keys and the enter key to either open and close things and um, enter usually performs like a, uh, a, a button click. Um, so we're getting we're getting a little bit in the weeds here, but a lot of oh, people don't do that. Um, you will see a lot of times um, people build like custom widgets or, or, or menus or things like that. Um, the web by default is accessible, uh, like everything that a... Um, Every component uh, that you use that is like out of the box, a browser supports it, um, like a, a dropdown or a menu or something like that. If you use like the default browser component, um, it's accessible by default. And and there's obvious reasons for that. Um, where you get into uh, trouble is when you start creating your own custom like and it's usually once you get into like you want to make it look prettier and you you want to you know make the drop down arrow look, look this way or rotate around or whatever um and that's when you get into a lot of uh a trouble because if you don't intentionally implement you know those same functionalities uh you're actually you're actually providing a worse experience for it's it's better for everyone else uh but and it looks better but it's a worse experience for um folks that are say just using the keyboard so the next time you go to a website um, it's usually pretty obvious. You start hitting the tab key and you see if it does anything. Does it does it just go to like links on the page or can you actually navigate the entire website just using your keyboard and not a mouse? So that in that case, if you're not pushing on the screen or the button or like the mouse to touch it, then if you do like the tab return or enter, would that open up that new page then? um a, a new page in terms of like a, a link so if you're going to like a yeah like a landing page and then would it take you to a different like the about page or the like a different link exactly exactly okay. so yeah if you if you use the tab key you should be able to see a visual indicator 
as you go along, as you hit tab, it'll outline, say, the first element, you know, the first first link in a menu. Hit the tab button again, it should go to the next one. Okay. And you'll see like a physical and, you know, use websites like Google or Facebook or Twitter companies that have actually, you know, have whole teams around doing this stuff. And, right. and you can really see the sort of experience that that everyone else should be implementing. Um, and I, I think the reason why um, that's something that is is is. What, what what even us just doing that bare minimum stands out in stark contrast to what others do is because we do work with a lot of, of small and medium-sized businesses. And these are companies that I, I don't know. I won't pretend to know all the, uh, the the rules and regulations around this stuff, but a lot of times they could even be internal tools that the public would never have access to. Right. And something as simple as, you know, being able to to navigate with a keyboard, that's not really something that would cross, you know, maybe a small business owner's mind until they need it. Um, and it's also something that just doesn't, it doesn't get a lot of attention. Um, so that's, uh, that's one of the little things that I, I sort of, I, I, I'm glad that we do, um, yes. and, and hopefully, you know, more people think about those things as they, as they build tools and, and websites. Well, it's basically your storefront, right? So if you don't have a brick and mortar, your website is your storefront. That's what gets people to trust you to, uh, purchase from you. And if that's inaccessible, like I was just, I know I was on my mobile, but I was on a website trying to navigate. I was trying to figure out what their about was, their principles, all of this. They said they had it. And then every time I clicked on the screen for one of those buttons, it didn't go anywhere or it just like offsetted the, or offset the page. And then I just was like frustrated the whole time I was on it. And it wasn't even like a specific accessibility issue. It was just like, their bare minimum. The page looked great, but none of the buttons worked. I couldn't get to any of the other pages. There was no information. So little things like that, I don't think many businesses are actually testing. So maybe it works on their desktop and that's as far as they went, but they didn't go try to test it through their Instagram bio there. And then now it's on their um, mobile device and it just was like a terrible user experience. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm done with that company. You know, have you found that that's been um, quite a priority of your clients then is like, all right, we need our website fully functioning for everyone and then we can move on to other tasks? Um, no, I would say most people prioritize the product that they can see and understand. And it makes perfect sense. If you're not informed on these things, um, it's not going to be super important to you. And so I think the reason why a lot of these things go to the wayside is because, you know, say we get a client coming to us and and we focus mostly on, um, I'll use the term web apps a lot, which is just, you know, if, if uh, 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 something like a an, uh, an Amazon or a, a Facebook, except nothing left of that scale remotely, anything that's more than like a blog or, or a, a landing page is typically what we do. So usually has some custom functionality and whatnot. Okay. Um, but typically when we, we get a client coming to us and they're like, Hey, I want you to build this app. It could be an internal tool to like say manage inventory or whatever else they're focused on the deliverable, which is I need a tool that does this thing. And that's it. And a lot of times all these other things fall to the wayside. And so, you know, if you're if you're getting, say, a client who is really sensitive to price or sensitive to timeline and needs something outdoor tomorrow, um, then, you know, you it, you get into a situation where 
if you're a client, you're probably going to look for the person who's, you know, able to do something the quickest and and possibly the cheapest and also quality. But th- there's some conflict there. Um, but a lot of times if you rush these things or you just don't have someone who's aware of that, um, there's no one testing that on your behalf, right? So if you're a business owner and you're like, okay, I need this app to do X, Y, and Z, like you're probably not skilled in like testing for accessibility. You're probably not skilled in testing for security issues. Um, and that's that's sort of how these things um, happen. So I would say just the sheer focus on um, a deliverable and the deliverable being usually the solution to a business goal or objective is just sort of these things don't necessarily get discussed. And then every business's priorities are different, right? So like accessibility may just be further down on their priority list. Right, right. Or they may not even know it's a thing. A lot of people don't. And that's, I think that's been the most interesting thing for me is like, the more I'm doing all of this work and just talking to new people and things like that, I am learning that it's not about if you're disabled and what way, it's when you're disabled and to what extent. So you could be in a crowded place and the TV doesn't have any volume and so you have to have subtitles. There's um, all these other things that you can become temporarily disabled with and accessibility will help with those. And then I think long-term, if you're thinking more like lifelong sort of disabilities, we all get old or we all break a bone or, you know, like temporary to long-term, these things are important and we don't understand them until we're impacted by them firsthand. And I think as someone who has lived her whole life with a limb difference, I get to experience that from people. They're like, oh, I had no idea until I met you or was hanging out with you more or spent some time with you that like these are things that are actually inconvenient or would help everyone. And so it's like little things like speak speech to text was from someone with a disability and it's helped everyone. You know what I mean? So if we build things from accessibility uh, and accessibility standpoint, everyone's going to benefit from it. And so it's interesting that that's not more common knowledge amongst entrepreneurs, um, creatives, and just everyone in general, I think. Yeah, and I, I think it, it really just is the fact that you, you know, you look at and and we're really just talking about technology here, but you look at it and at face value, without poking at it, you don't know if something is accessible or not, usually. Unless it's like pretty obviously, like say color contrast, for instance, that's a visual thing that you could you could usually look at. Although um, there are some some different guidelines around like different specifications of hey, this is how uh, contrast should look. And I was looking the other day at like a button, and I was like, that looks really darn contrasty. And ran it through whatever you know, and it basically is just checking like the text versus the background contrast, and it like failed that. And I was like, oh, I, I had no idea. And so that just goes to show you that you don't really know sometimes until you you know like you can only do so much visually. But that would be a good example. Um, or, can I ask what software you use to run that through, or is it your own software? So browsers have um, developer tools built in that can show like what contrast checks they passed. But this one specifically, and the name escapes me at the moment, 
um, is a newer one. And I had to run it through, I think it was another, it was like a Google Chrome extension or something like that. Um, I, again, still, still got a lot of progress to, to be made there on my end in right. terms of understanding these things, but um, you can, I think I mean, everyone. Yeah, but you could just you could Google uh, like a color contrast checker or something like that, and it'll usually um, show like a pass and fail score sort of thing. Okay, thank you. Yeah, but um, other other visual things are like um, a lot of computers now have, um, well, all computers should have a option to like reduce motion uh, if you're like sensitive to that and. Websites can detect that. You can, you can, you can, you can make it so if someone has on their computer that checkbox checked off to say on on Mac OS it's somewhere just in accessibility that's re- reduced motion, and you can you can pause animations or you can you know slow down things or something like that. And it's like those those sorts of things are are more obvious, but it's also like I was surprised when I found out because a lot of times you're limited in what you can build in a browser. You can't always detect like. Um, different system settings, but so I was actually kind of surprised when I like found that I was like, wait, what the heck? This has been a, this has been here the whole time. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know where I was going with that, but um, I think the uh, the the I I don't know the right way, and I'm, I'm sure people who are who who do this stuff for a living would have the answer here. But in terms of you know making these things more visible, like you think about alt text, like I think it's awesome that a lot of uh, social media platforms have like sort of put that front and center. And I think we have to have more like ways to get that into like the general public's subconscious. And I think that could be really powerful. I do think though, like even for Instagram as an example, it's terribly done. Like it's, you can tell there's been an effort, but not much of one. You know what I mean? Like you still have to completely um describe your image through text and put it in manually there's no like we're a computer and we can look at this image and then create the text for that and to me that's kind of bizarre but especially for a company as large as meta like they have the funds to invest in something like that if they were to prioritize it like apple and google does but yeah for sure i i was poking around Facebook forever ago. And I remember seeing at some point they actually did auto-generate alt text on images you posted. And it would be like they would detect what's in the image. And 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 so they certainly have the ability. I would love to see them like pre-fill that though, right? Like if you're like, I want to write my alt text, it could be like a person staring off into the sunset or whatever. And like it pre-fills that. I absolutely agree. Especially yeah. with how much posting like how much work goes into posting already like really social media managers um businesses that's one more and it's not an easy step to take and so the incentive unless you are a more like disability based uh company it's just going to fall further down on the priority list unless it's made easier for us to do i think but yeah 100% well, I saw someone posting on, um, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've heard it in the news, Mastodon, uh, which is like uh-huh. a Twitter replacement-ish, or they're trying to be a Twitter replacement, but they're not, and they're whatever. But it's it's one of those, it, they've actually been around for a very long time. It's like an open source social network, whatever. But that that's sort of irrelevant to this whole thing. We can't get into that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by all of that. But <laughs> 
Um, I saw someone saying something like they posted on there and they were like, I, I've been posting images less just because it takes so much time to write alt text. And I'm like, I'm so torn over that because I, 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 I think, I think that's it. That's sort of, that's been my own, I think, subconscious thought when I go to post an image and I'm like, ah, I feel like a bad person because I didn't, I didn't put alt text. Straight up. Same. Like it's probably 20, at least 20% of the reason why I haven't posted as much as I've wanted to, because mm -hmm. again, like I'm the kind of person and it gets in my way a lot as an entrepreneur, but I either want to do it 100% and perfectly or not do it at all. And I should just mm -hmm. do anything and then gradually improve. But I don't know. I think it's it's the principle that's the same. So even though we're just talking about alt text right now and images, uh, it's inconvenient if we can't see the value for it, right? So no one who is uh, relying on that alt text is uh, telling us just how important it is loud enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, we really do as a community and society have to see severe value in it. And um, unless we're hearing from people that are using it, I don't think we'll find that value as quickly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's absolute facts. I, uh, I mean, even think about just like, I'll, I'll use the, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of bastardize the accessibility term, but like, even just with like access to public services and think about things that are, are very tangible and real and observable by everyone. And it's like, this is this is the world, you know. I, I, like I don't know, I I don't know what the 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 answer is here, but I guess I'm also a, like a, a self proclaimed per perfectionist, and um, you know, I think just the constant reminder of like, you know, something's better than nothing. Like if I make the website half accessible, um, well, at least I I started and I did something and I'm aware of it, and maybe uh, you know put a um i've seen websites put before like accessibility statements of like hey we know we, we suck in these areas like we're working on it on it um just even That's i think the point. acknowledgement of those things is like okay all right we're a long we, way we understand yeah exactly okay that's so. a good point that'll actually help me get my shit up and going again i think because I really, I just have been so worried that like people are going to be like, well, why are you trying to like advocate for accessibility if you're not even providing it yourself? And it's like, well, that needs resources and money and time and things like that. And so, um, which this is a good segue into one of the things you wanted to talk about, which is running a business and doing that as you mentioned, also a college dropout, which is very interesting in this day and age because people think you have to have this big fancy degree, right? To do anything or um, whatnot. So dive into that a little bit. Yeah, so I will I will start off by saying software is a very specific field. Uh, and I would say, Folks in software have it easier than anyone else right now, just in, it, based on supply and demand and based on the fact that you're, for instance, if I, I, I'm a web developer and guess what? I can learn about the web on the web. And so like, that's just inherently it's, 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 it's sort of structured in that way. So I 
don't drop out of college if you're going to be a doctor, right? <laughs> There's I mean, certain things. Yeah. Right. And, and so I, I definitely wouldn't recommend it to, to, to a lot of people. Um, for me, it was really just knowing my own uh, strengths and weaknesses and, and the way I learn best. And, and, and that's not in the classroom. Um, and so I actually started tinkering around with code when I was 13 and um, both of my parents were programmers. And so a lot of people just assume, oh, so that's, that's why, that's, that's why you got into programming. But actually they, my mom was a stay at home mom and my dad worked a, you know, just a standard uh, blue collar sort of corporate day job. And when he came home, he wanted nothing to do with technology. And now that I, like I'm in that field, and I mean anyone I think can relate, just staring at a computer all day doing your thing, and then your 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 time is over, and you just want to shut it off and just like not look at anything. Yeah. Um. So that was very much sort of the environment growing up. So playing around with computers, spending a lot of time with computers is like actually it's, a little, it's like a, a minor form of rebellion in many ways. Okay. Um. And so. I was just sort of fascinated by by coding though and and computers in general um and tinkered around tinker around with that for a little bit um learned how to make the you know the web page here and there and so the obvious path was to go to school for for computer science um this was before long before i knew i had adhd so that okay. was a diagnosis as an adult just a couple years ago. And that's a whole nother thing, which we can also get into. I would love to. But the the short of it is I was a wreck in college. College did nothing for me um, except stress me out. And I actually got my very first client in college. And I remember and, and they were I, I learned so much. They were so, like I. Yeah, they were the the best people to be a first client. Uh, cause I was learning, obviously mm -hmm. I thought I knew everything, but I was very clearly learning. I still am. Um, <laughs> Quickly but humble. I remember like very vividly that like finals were coming up and I, I was like telling this class, like, I, I have to push back our deadline because <laughs> I need to do, I need to study for finals or, 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 or midterms or whatever. Um, and, uh, at the same time, I was like, I remember showing up to like computer science class. And it was just the one or two, it was just one class and like the professor being late. And I was just like, I had these two images in my mind of like, okay, client wants to pay me and give me work and I want to do it. And the other one is me sitting in this classroom, like hating my life, you know, waiting for someone to show up to teach me things that I would be valuable, would still be valuable to be fair. There are fundamentals and things that I like don't, I can't grasp very well. Um, and things that I can, st I still need to learn, um, right. in terms of just like fundamental computer science. And there's certainly value to that. I think the bigger thing for me was like, well, I'm paying you to teach me and I don't enjoy it. And I'm also taking other classes that I really don't enjoy, like physics, which I, I sucked at. And then I took Latin cause I thought it would be funny. And then I, I don't know what else. So anyway, I, so it was a, a semester that did I even last a semester? I don't remember. Well, and then when I, someone's I actually, late, yeah. You're like, all right, I'm paying you. And you just listed that whole list and you're not respecting my time. Right. And then these people who want to pay me for my time are respecting it. I mean, that's right. a pretty easy decision once you put it that way. 
Well, it was still, it was still, uh, it was a big leap. I was still working in uh, food service at the time. Okay. And I just sort of did the math and was like, okay, well, between all of these things, it's not like I was some super brilliant in-demand programmer at the time, you know, um, and not the college dropout who was like this, you know, child genius and goes on to found a startup or anything like that. And, and, but it was more just like, I, um, I didn't, I didn't know it at the moment, but I was also like struggling with depression. I was, I was very depressed and I didn't know what that was and I didn't know how to express it or to seek how to seek help for it. And it was just like, it felt like there was no other option. And I wasn't like a, like, it, it just felt like I was stuck in that moment. And I was like, well, all of these other things are better than this. So like, let's try that. But it was very much a, it was very much a risky move. And I, I lucked out in so many ways. Good. Well, explain that to us. Was that getting new clients? Like, what was the luck, do you think? Um, yeah, uh, both of that. Um, my my actually my first client, that co- client in college, we went on to work together for a while. And I actually didn't switch to um, sort of my own thing, working full, full time for myself until much later. I had a, a brief stint at a, at a startup um, working as a software developer, and they, they taught me a ton. Um, but I just, I, 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 I think there's something about, and I see this in other folks with ADHD of like wanting to do lots of things and wanting to like, there's some, like when you get into the right momentum of your brain is going hundred miles an hour, but you're also, your life is going hundred miles an hour and just sort of works. It's great. And I remember like, yes, I was working like multiple jobs at the time. This was before the startup, right before the startup. And but I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed just like bouncing around and and like, and then just, you know, getting and keeping like my brain stimulated in that way. Um, and so going from that to then like working at a startup on like one thing sort of b- bored me, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, um, so is would you contribute that to the ADHD then? So it's like you thrive better when you have multiple things going on at once instead of just one. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I I get bored very easily. Um, Now there is a limit to that, which I am very often finding in in recent life (laughs) of like, okay, you could have maybe like, maybe like two or three simultaneous projects for me right now is a sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it seems like I either have one or I have six and that's not, that's not cool either. So we're still working on that. We're we're trying to, trying to hire someone right now. anyone's listening and wants to come work for me. Uh, but yeah, there is, there is a, ba- there is a, a balance to be had. Um, but yeah, I think I've always just also appreciated like ownership of things yeah. and like being the person who can like be responsible for things um, in terms of like in software, I feel like there is, it's such a, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is, but it's such like a a uh, a lucky field to be in. I feel like uh, in terms of like again, like I said, the demand and whatnot, that it's hard to find people who care a lot. And I feel like m- my struggle has always been finding folks that care about the same things that I do, and so just putting myself at the top essentially um, has allowed me to focus on like what what are my actual values and like building software and what 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 do I want to do and and how do I want 
you know, what sort of people do I want to work with? And so that's really sort of enabled me to, 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 to choose my own adventure in that way. To dig a little deeper on that, are you saying in a roundabout way that because there's so much job security with software right now, that sometimes there's some lazy people or uh, not as motivated people? And so you're just being more picky about who you're working with and making sure that their uh, principles and morals align with yours? Yeah, I wouldn't say people are lazy necessarily, but I think there's a lot of, for, from, if we take a step back a little bit, the one of the things I value most in terms of like relationships with our clients is they're typically business people who who are really clear on, on their what they want, what they need, and they trust us to make the correct technical calls. But I sort of pride myself in being able to bridge that gap and not like, and not like in a, in a, in a bullshitty way. Can I, can I swear? Yeah. Um, okay. Lots more to come. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so by that, I just mean, I, I think we've all probably maybe filed a support ticket or, or had an interaction with someone who was clearly like trying to talk over our head and be like, oh, well, you don't understand. Like, this is the way it is, blah, blah, blah. And like, okay. and so I, I think that's not necessarily, that's something I think is, is just inherently part of like, you know, when you have a business person, you have a technical person, like there needs to be some sort of bridge there. Um, and so that's just sort of the way it is. Right. And my struggle has always been finding uh, technical folks that don't, feel the need to like obfuscate things for like their own benefit. So I think everyone's super hardworking for the most part. Job security, yes, I would say is probably easier in, in the tech tech world right now um, and has been for, you know, for a while now. Um, but I wouldn't say anyone is lazy, maybe just misguided or just not aligned or, you know, and sometimes I think a lot of these things when you when you go to school for programming or my like my two weeks in college or what I would say from that <laughs> is you're not you're not being taught like the, the soft skills of of here's here's how you provide value. Here's what you should be doing to make a quality product that people are going to want to use. And you're also not like being a dick about it. Um I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sort of articulating this poorly, but. Oh, it's like the bedside manner of software development, yeah. right? So it's like you need to be able to, one, be really good at your craft, but then you need to be able to articulate that to people who don't understand it at all, like myself. And then that's the that's the bridge, right? Is being able to uh, work cross-departmentally, it seems like, um, because although they're hiring you as one department, they're another department themselves or multiple departments, it seems like. And I will say that when I was working with or within a tech company, um, the cross-departmentalized, um, oh, how do I say this? Working cross-departmentally and communicating effectively was the hardest part. So you can work cross-departmentally all you want. Uh, being able to actively and over-communicate honestly, sometimes is what helped um, me actually get effective work done when working with other teams. Um, mm -hmm. So it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about is you have those more personal skills to be able to be like, oh, they're not quite understanding this. And the uh, kind part of you 
in delivering that in like a, hey, this is how it is and I'm educating you, but not in like a rude way, it seems like. That's what I try to do. I, I certainly fall short often. Um, and it is, you know, it's an ongoing journey of, we work with a lot of different people across a lot of different industries and really understanding like how they communicate best, what their understanding is. Sometimes folks are a little bit technical and they really want, you know, things to be explained to them. I think the biggest gripe I have with a lot of folks in, I would, I would consider ourselves an agency apart from the word that I, the, the fact that I really hate the word agency um, largely because a lot of times tech is used as like a shield, like, a, a oh, I, you don't understand the internals of the system. We're going to charge you X, Y, Z for it. And it's going to be this much extra time. And we fell short on this thing because technical jargon. And a lot of times when I run into, into situations like that, or even like consulting for clients who have like, are actively working with agencies like that. You peel it back a little bit and you're like, no, you're just not doing your job. And I think, again, I think it comes from a good place, but it's mm -hmm. so easy to, I think, be like, ah, well, throw up your hands. Like, ah, they, they don't want, they don't understand. I don't care to explain it to them. We'll just give them this. And so I think, I don't know. I, I don't know what that is. I, and I think there's also, I don't mind folks in the tech industry who are self-aware enough to say, hey, I don't. I don't want to, I, I'm not good at communicating uh, to non-technical people or um, I, I, we, I have a contractor right now who told me early on, he was like, don't, don't put me on client calls. I was like, okay, that's totally fair. Brilliant programmer, great guy, love to work with him, but you know, you, you know, your, your strengths. Um, the opposite of that is I find a lot of times agencies in particular, you get a technical person who's really good at sales, at, like leading these agencies and then a whole bunch of like various technical people behind the scenes, maybe they're offshore, maybe they're not, but doing all the coding work. And there usually isn't a strong connection between those two folks. And so a lot of times you see agencies go out and sell and, and, and get big, big clients. And then they go away and the, and the actual team is there to do the work and just, oh, there's a lot of breakdown. And I think you nailed it with just the communication aspect. It really just does come down to that. And I'm sure that's the case across not just tech, but a lot of, you know, other industries as well. Um, but that for me has been and continues to be one of my biggest gripes with like the industry overall. Well, and that's just accommodations in general. You know what I mean? Like if you just accidentally put up the most um, like beautiful example of if you communicate what your boundaries are right out the gate, like, hey, I don't want to be on like client calls. I don't need to do that to do my job well. You can always fill me in later. Um, that's going to avoid those harder conversations down the line of like, why are you never on calls? Why are you never this? And instead of feeling some sort of like that person being like, oh, I didn't feel like I could tell you. I think we're moving further and further away from the idea that everyone needs to work the same exact way to be effective. I love that. When really everyone needs to work the way that, like you said, the classroom wasn't for you for learning. So you found a different way, a more effective way um, that is better for you long term, too. If we keep trying to push all these people into these boxes in corporate America, depression is going to keep rising. Anxiety is going to keep rising. Mental health issues are going to become something that we don't even know how to fix. It's too far 
gone. You know what I mean? And if we're able to just talk to people as humans instead of like you are an asset in this business, we'll have more assets in business because we're treating people as they are and should be treated, which is with respect and humanity and I think as long as businesses have people in them who are willing to bridge those gaps, not everyone needs to be able to bridge the gap. You know what I mean? That's a really good point. But sounds like you're building a great business. And I hope I haven't gotten us off on too many tangents. Um, and no, I, want, I want you to be able to talk about like maybe one of the more... Um, exciting projects that you've worked on with Diglactic and maybe where the name came from? Oh, no. These are good (laughs) questions. Uh, The first part, um, I would say I wouldn't pick any one project particularly to be like extra exciting. Um, And a lot of them are, like I said, or, or, or hinted to earlier on, internal tools so they're not even things that you could go and play with i would say like the the enjoyment for me just comes out of learning about a new industry and getting to work with new people and like solving problems and so one of the things we actually as as a company intentionally not do if you go to our website it's we don't list the technology we work with and that's intentional because the folks who are coming to us for the most part don't care about technology. They just, they want to get a problem solved. And so the thing I, you know, we do is we work with the stuff that works best for us and, and works to solve a problem for a client the best and is the most efficient and whatnot. And we've been fortunate enough to, you know, just have a lot of great clients that trust us to do that. Um, And I think it goes both ways. You know, we continue to, to deliver on a, on a good product and, and they also provide, all the you know appropriate business domain knowledge to build a good product for them, um, and so it, it, it's um, it's really just I I really enjoy the process of like getting to know people and understanding like the why behind everything. And there is there is a certain limit to that, right? Because like sometimes you know you will get someone who's like, dude, I just I just need to get done. Like, don't ask me any more questions. <laughs> but most of the time, it's like you you you, you get someone. Um, who says, oh, I want, you know, this, this widget to do X, Y, and Z thing. And you're like, well, tell me about how that's actually going to be used. Um, and that's, that's the conversation that excites me the most. And I think that's the conversation that's largely lacking from, um, folks in software, not using the tools that they build. And I can't pretend like we are in, you know, our, 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 involved in every single business from like a boots on the ground perspective, we're definitely not. But I think even just pausing for a moment and being like, well, why are we doing it this way? Um, and I think we've all used software or had experiences with software somehow in the, in, you know, in the peripherals that is like, this is not, this does not make any sense. If someone even just like tried doing what I'm doing for one second, they would realize that they built a crap product. And why is this like this? And I hate everything. That is my life experience. <laughs> do tell like, do, do, does anything well, about this role come to mind or well i well before i get into that i want to say that was one thing that really stood out to me on your website was that you are not afraid of like i don't know as long as there is an answer and a solution at the other end 
Um, one of the most valuable things I ever was taught was at one of the first jobs I had. And I know you guys are sick of me talking about Chase and Adam at Taylor Cooperative if you listen to this podcast a lot. And I will have them on eventually one day. Um, but they told me they were two 27-year-old entrepreneurs, right, running a custom suit business. And they just taught me so many fundamental business principles, I guess, that I have really loved to hold on to. One of those being um, that you don't have to take business from everyone, right? Like you can choose who you work with. Um, but then they also taught me, it's okay to say, I don't know. Let me go find out. Let me see what I can do to answer that question for you. And you even said at the beginning of this, like, um, you don't know everything about X, Y, and Z. You're still learning. You could have maybe learned more at college, but you're still working on trying to learn those things now. Saying that out loud is something most people cannot do, will not do. And so I think just the fact that you are like, I don't know, or I don't know that yet, or whatever, is a huge compliment to your character. Um, and that to me is someone I would like to work with. You know what I mean? Someone who's like, as I'm in the realm of, I don't know a lot of things. I don't know. I just barely found out like little things about my own limb difference. You know what I mean? And I've had mm -hmm. it for 28 years. And when I said that comment about like, that is my life experience is that I live in a world made for people with 10 fingers and two, like four functioning limbs. You know what I mean? And so I have often come in contact with like this product blows because they didn't ask anyone who was experiencing any form of life differently. It was just like, well, what I like to call core customers instead of all customers, or at least seeing like, oh, can someone with different abilities do this or um, different restrictions? Like, can they also use our product? It's like once it fits for the core customer, they're like, all right, let's go to Shark Tank. Let's get this going. And it's like, no, mm. I guess, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking back to our conversation too, is like, maybe it's good that they're just starting and that they can do better. But it seems like most of this world and most of the products and businesses are stopping at satisfaction for the core customers instead of digging into 25% of the demographic, which is one in four people um, literally identify with having a disability. And so you're missing out on a quarter of the population. Wow. Or giving at least a quarter of the population a bad experience with your product. You know what I mean? So I just have adapted with a lot of things. But I think to my previous statement that if we were to just build things from accessibility um, at the beginning, everyone's experience would be that much better and easier, I guess, even if you're someone with 10 fingers. Like, I... I could go on and on all day about this, but um, it's important, I think, to talk about both sides, right? Because it's important to just get your product out there and going and make that comment of like, we understand accessibility is an important uh, topic and we're working on being better at that. 
Um, I think that's a beautiful way to go about it that I have never even thought of. Um, but I'd like to at least hear that from more companies because it doesn't feel like many are very aware, like you said. Yeah, I think I think it's really easy as a company to want to paint the perfect, you know, picture. You have this persona in mind of, hey, this is what we do and this is we're perfect at it and we're untouchable sort of thing. And I mean, it's I certainly I think both personally and professionally fall into that trap of like, you know, whether you're going on a new date or you're you're soliciting a new client, it's like, well, I this is this is exactly this is this is who I am. I got it all. Uh, but yeah, there is something to be said for uh, companies that are, you know, willing to show that empathetic side of them, that vulnerable side of them. Um, and to an extent, I think um, it was actually funny because Brooke was telling me the other day, I said something on a call with a client that was like, you know, we didn't do a good job here. And I mentioned it in a very different way, but it's like, <laughs> there are limits, you know, you're not going to, you don't want to like devalue yourself, but it's like showing that, Hey, you are open to conversation. You're open to like, Hey, maybe I didn't do something perfectly right. Maybe I wasn't informed in that area. I think that's really powerful. I think as, uh, I struggle a lot with, uh, getting back to emails in a timely manner and, um, little things like that. So I've adjusted that like confidence, but acknowledgement in a certain way. And I know (laughs) there's been like tips and tricks on it, but just being like, thank you for your understanding or thank you for your patience. Like you're addressing your shortcoming, but you're not saying sorry over and over again or uh, talking shit on yourself in front of the client yes. or, you know, <laughs> things like that. I'm very proud of Brooke for bringing that up to you. She's good at that. <laughs> no, she's great. Um, there was a point I read, I think something on Reddit that was like, yeah, don't ever say sorry. Just be like, thank you. Thank you. Or, and the, I, I I initially took that and ran with it and it was great. And then I realized, okay, there are some times when you do have to say sorry. Yeah. And so I sort of, I think I've, I've evened it out a little bit, but yeah, it's so easy to just be like, ah, sorry, I suck. And it's like, even without realizing it, it's just like the, just the, the underlying mindset of, of that without, you just, I, I don't like, no, you don't go into writing an email and be like, oh, I'm like self-deprecating or whatever. But you, you, you take a step back. You're like, oh crap. If I was like that, that's not how I want to portray myself or whatever. And, or that wasn't even my fault. Why am I apologizing? Still? Yeah. I have a 20 second, uh, like regret time limit between my email sending and me being like, oh, just cancel it. Like <laughs> it didn't send yet. So I often will be like, oh, this feels good. And I should probably just take more time before I push send anyway. But that like 20 second where it helps me be like, okay, come back. I can send that in 10 minutes when I'm feeling a little bit better about myself and not in like a negative Mm self-talk because it's like, well, I didn't respond to their email for five days or, you know. But I think at the end of the day too, people... We're impatient people, but I think more and more we're becoming a bit more empathetic too because life is life and business will always be there. We can always come back and do these things, these tasks. But it, to me, I don't know if it's just getting older, life is never ending and it's always throwing stuff at us and you got to manage your career, your business you're running and everything else that's going on personally. And if you don't address those things that are going on personally your business will suffer and vice versa. And so I think I'm hopeful that people are a bit more understanding going forward that like mental illness is huge and people are doing their best. And we're, I'm just hoping that people lead with the benefit of the doubt more often than not, but. Yeah. You know. And it's, it's funny. Cause as someone who, like, I agree with everything you just said, it's like, I also on the flip side, 
find myself, you know, just judging people and being like, well, why didn't you, you know, you were late to this call or you didn't show up here. You didn't deliver in this way and not really. And it is, it is a struggle. And I also, I, even just with like demographics too, with like the different clients we work with, like there are some who I would feel com comfortable saying maybe a little bit that, Hey, I, you know, this is a, a bad brain day. I, I just didn't go to plan, whatever. And there's others where I'm like, I, that would, I would never do that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's, uh, the best I can do right now is sort of create a, a culture internally um, that supports that. But I also have to be careful with that because I find that, you know, if I sort of overly um, go out of my way to support folks who are, you know, having their own bad days or whatever, and I like try and maybe take on the extra workload or whatever else to sort of support a client then I'm the one who ends up with the, you know, the, the bad day the next day or, or maybe a week later or whatever else. So it is, it is a balance. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you just, I think the, where we are today, and I don't know if it's just me mentally, cause I've also grown a lot in my understanding of like, even just how my own brain works. Um, but I feel like in, you know, the past, even just few years, it's become such a more open topic, um, which is, it's, it's really nice to see. But at the same time, like you said, boundaries are important, right? Because then you can't be taking on other people's load or um, exerting yourself too much. It's definitely a give and take for sure. And also people don't want their time to be like not respected. You know, like if you are late for a meeting or someone's continually late for a meeting, you want to be sympathetic to whatever they're going through. But at the same time, like give me a little bit more of a heads up or like, let's make sure this isn't a retroactive thing. It's a proactive, can't make it. Because um, mm -hmm. those things will build resentment in business quite easily, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, I I'm curious a little bit about what you do. So do, it yeah. sounds like, I, and I think I, I did a little bit of LinkedIn stalking a, a while back, <laughs> but I don't remember half of what I did. Um, and also it took me, what, two weeks to reply to your email. And then I think I sent that at like 11 at night and I was just like, I got to get, this was one of those, I got to send it. So just write, do it and then send it. Um, and usually, honestly, I think I have like a five second delay on my undos. And I swear to God, I clicked one yesterday and it just went away and that was it. And you know what? It's, it's sort of, it's sort of the way it is. Um, but where was I going with this? Oh yeah. So you like consult for companies who are like developing products or things like that. I'm, I'm a little bit curious about that process. Yeah, I'm in my doing everything I can at once stage right now and trying to like narrow those pathways a little bit so that I can be more effective at specific things. But I am, I am networking with lots of businesses and really just trying to get across this accessibility mindset, right? Like I, um, it's not just limb differences, it's really everything. And I may not be an expert on everything, but I can get you in contact with other people who have those personal experiences and um, just really helping businesses understand why it's important for them to market mm. to the disability market overall, because it's a market that's been completely untouched. It makes up a quarter of the population, like all these different statistics that these businesses just don't know about until someone like me is coming in and telling them. Mm -hmm. um, the disability market only really started in about 2018, 2019 to 2020 was when it really took off, right? Um, sorry, that's not when the disability market started. That's when businesses started paying attention to the disability mm, market. Okay. So we also, if you're talking about diversity as a whole, 
it wasn't until 2015 that we really started to see even extended sizing and plus size models in campaigns. So um, it's definitely in every industry. The squeaky wheel gets, what's the saying? I only know the squeaky, squeaky wheel, wheel gets part. Yeah, there you go. You have to be a squeaky wheel. And quite honestly, uh, people with disabilities are not that. Mm-hmm. We uh, self-talk a lot is what it seems like. The more and more people I meet, uh, we don't want to be considered an inconvenience because we already kind of feel like an inconvenience a lot of times. Um, I didn't demand that my parents got new um, like lever doorknobs in their house until I was in my mid-20s. Uh, little things like that, whereas we're just so used to adapting to the world that we're not mm-hmm. um, asking the world to adapt to us much because, quite honestly, we have people like Candace Owens that come at us and... It's overwhelming for me personally. I like it's you don't want to live your life fighting with people. And um, I decided I'm going to start fighting with people <laughs> in a kind, yeah. uh, pro proactive and conductive way. Um, so I'm doing a lot of consulting. I'm also working on doing more modeling. So getting like my media kit together is hard. Also, uh, you mentioned depression, and I have really struggled with anxiety and depression depression more heavily the last five years, um, but I've struggled with it since I was 14, and I'm finally getting to the point where I'm like, all right, well, now I know what I want to do with a career instead of work a nine-to-five for someone else, um, and how do I navigate that with uh, a severe mental illness and like PTSD, too, so... Um, the last couple years, I've actually been taking time off and working as I can and more like contract work. But I took the time to really take care of my mental health and it's paid off. Like now I feel like I am ready to go like boots on the ground running. And um, I just got oh, yeah. back from a trip to L.A. where I went out and used a bunch of databases that I still have access to through the school I went to. And that helped me just gather more and more of this quantitative information that these companies need about like why it's important to have representation representation in your um, campaigns. And that will build uh, brand trust and loyalty in the long term as long as it's done effectively. So there's been brands like Gucci that come out and do a Gucci slide and they want to be um, diverse and have representation. So they use... And only they only used like from the waist down and it was maybe even not a real person. It just had prosthetic legs. Uh, and the community came out that's like, well, if you would have actually asked someone who uses these prosthetics, they can't use slides. So that campaign didn't work. Now we all lost trust in Gucci quite a bit and the list goes on. So that's what my goal is now and just trying to make sure that things are done right so that businesses don't have to have a PR nightmare down the street or down the road. Um, and this podcast, man, I'm just like, my list goes on. What am I doing? Love it. I'm doing so much all at once. <laughs> it's awesome. It's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it, 
how do you approach it sounds like you're you're approaching it from uh hey this will you know this is i mean literally better for business if you do that is that sort of the way you go about it and it's it's with existing businesses with existing products and you're like hey you know do you want to talk about how this could be better yeah exactly and like and if you want to come beta test it with a bunch of people who have different disabilities great let me help you get in contact with those people send them the product it's almost like uh ugc too instead of like content creation they're just getting feedback from it um okay which is something i'm also dipping into is ugc so that i can beta test myself in companies so i can be like well this company sent me this product or this partnership i posted about it i did it myself um so i gave my honest feedback of my accessibility with the product and then this whole community that i've built so i have a virtual meetup group of people with limb differences and um, parents of kids with limb differences that are now following me. So there's a niche uh, community following me that I am trying to tap into to help these businesses. Um, Because the more, like, here's an example. Uh, Madison Tote, she's a model, and she is in this um, ad in Target. And so many people, every single day it seems like, Someone's taking a picture of the the photo of her in the campaign or with a kid who has a limb difference similar to hers. Um, uh, like friends and family of hers are taking a picture of it, posting it on their story. That is organic. That's all organic just because you decided to include someone who can resonate with people left and right, right? Like Madison has people who love and care about her. Those people are interested in Target now that might not have been before. Uh, People who see or like, like me, I'm more supportive of Target because I see that campaign. You know, it's like this doesn't just impact the people who have the disabilities. It impacts the people who love and care about the people with disabilities. And that is so much money right there. So that's what businesses care about is money. Yeah. You can have all these principles and values to go along with those goals. But at the end of the day, we all want to make more money. So mm-hmm. let's market to people accurately. Let's give these people with disabilities an opportunity to authentically interact with your brand. So that's Love what I'm that. doing. Yeah, I, I sort of selfishly asked that because I, I, was, I was thinking in real time about, you know, how do we get our own clients to care more about accessibility? And I think the struggle there really is if there isn't, it's like, it's almost just like a personal, eh, I do it because it's something I care about. But, you know, realistically, if it is a small business and they truly don't have anyone who who needs, uh, say, an, an application to be accessible, they will literally get zero value from that. And so that's the interesting, I think, space um, and probably just the nature of the, the things that we do. Yeah. And so it is... Um, I, f- I find it hard to, you know, if, if we want to talk about any, like even the downsides of what, uh, of the structure of, of, of having your own business in this way is every, every, you know, hour that goes by that you do something is money that could be, you know, spent on or, or, or that could be earned from another client. And so it's, and this is just something this, that I have to set out space and time for myself to do is just learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, a lot of the things that I do are like, it's very easy for me to do the same thing over and over and over again, cause it works. And I don't even necessarily pause to be like, Oh, how could I do this differently? Or what could change here or whatever else? 
because a lot of times, and, and I mean, really, if you think about, and I'm still like, I won't pretend to be uh, a brilliant business owner or anything, but even things as simple as learning, like I, I treat it as like, oh, well, the clock stopped. And so I'm not billing for this. So this is, this is a loss, but it's not, it's no. not. And you really do have to sort of, and that's something I have to just work on shaping my own mindset around, like what is actually valuable to me overall. And that's going to be valuable to the business overall and just help me provide better services to people. But um, yeah, I think I, 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 there's a lot of other things even with, with software. And, and one of the things I, you know, I mentioned is just like, it's not necessarily people being lazy or anything else, but just not going the extra mile, I guess. And that's a hard thing to ask for. Like yeah. I can, it's even a hard thing for me to ask of uh, an employee or a contractor. It's like, you're not personally benefiting if like Yet. the business grows. To, well, here, let me rephrase that. Hold okay. on a second. You're not a shareholder in the business. Okay. You could personally bet you might get you might get a, a pay raise, you might get more hours, you might get more work, right? But like, it's just like going the, the going the extra mile for the sake of it. Like you're not, and so I, I do have to remind myself of like, and, and I I still haven't cracked like how to structure things to incentivize that perfectly. And I just know like I work way too much, and and so I want to do all these things, and I want to go over the top with all these things. But at the end of the day, if you're not communicating that value to like a client then they're paying for what they're getting and they're getting mm -hmm. for what they're paying. And anything else that you do is like, it's just sort of, uh, I don't know, a badge of honor, I guess, or like whatever. It's like for your own, like being able to sleep at night or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. So. I, I do think equity is something that's really big for people to go the extra mile, especially these days. A lot of people, I think, feel a bit overworked and underpaid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is the economy we're in right now. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. But um, a perfect example that what you were just saying made me think of, and I was on LinkedIn a couple months ago, I think it was when we first started talking about having you come on. And so it was like, wow, this is crazy that this is like happening right now. This guy posted on his LinkedIn and he goes, it just came to my attention that there's law firms out there that are finding these websites that um, are not meeting ADA requirements and they're um, convincing the or they're finding people with disabilities to file these lawsuits against these websites and companies with these websites um, just for more like a cash grab, not to like really actually improve things. Um, mm -hmm. But the way that he brought it up was more like protect yourself, do the bare minimum so that you don't get fined and things like that. And so the tone of it came off probably just to me because of my own experience um a little bit like this is super inconvenient um if you're an entrepreneur here's a big fine that could be imposed upon you and that was just the tone mm. i got so i reached out and i was like it's actually a pretty big deal and like even one guy commented he's like i know it's inconvenient but my wife has x y and z i have this so it does make it that much easier but still happy to support whatever you're doing sorry this is so inconvenient for you and i was like <laughs> uh, um here we are again these people yeah. with the disabilities that are being inconvenienced are apologizing to the other people who don't have the disability and it's like they're just so used to being inconvenienced that they're like well i have a roundabout way of going about it so and i like i just brought it up i was like it really is like super helpful and it 
again, I will say this until I'm blue in the face. It's a quarter of the population mm-hmm. that experience things like this. And so it's not like it's some 2%, even if it was 2%, that's important. Like we need to be making things for people so that everyone's lives are easier, not just the core demographic that's existing. It seems like that demographic is getting smaller and smaller anyway. So I don't know. It it was quite bizarre to see that. And like LinkedIn is a weird place now anyway, where people it's like the wild, wild west of social media and business. But that being said, I do think as long as people understand, so like maybe I could come talk to some of your clients and be like, this is something that's been important for me and um, a lot of other people. And Again, I think my my purpose in doing all of this is not to force people to behave a certain way because free agency is something I really do enjoy. I would just like to give people the opportunity to be better if they want to be. Mm-hmm. And you can't know what you don't know. And so if they don't have this information, how can we expect them to be better? So, and at the end of the day, if they don't want to choose that, then they don't want to choose that. And that will stand with their brand. It will impact their like community network, but that's their decision at the end of the day, not ours. Yeah. I think you you said something earlier about, you know, uh, folks with disabilities tend to um, sort of withdraw that part of themselves and and sort of accommodate. And, and, you know, I was just thinking that through it and, one, I, I feel like a lot of the core population or what we consider the core population is very much like perception and and how, you know, things things are portrayed and, and the folks that get the most attention and spotlight. True. And, you I, I, you know, you often I don't know, I often think about like how many folks go around even not knowing, like understanding, like I, I, this is a terrible parallel. But when I found out I had ADHD, I was like, wait, it's not oh, a that's, terrible that's, parallel. That's, but I was like, oh, that's that's what that was like. Oh, this is why I like really struggled in school and and focus. And here I thought I was just lazy the entire time. Um, and I and it, it, it's, it was really like it's like my entire sort of brain was flipped on its head of like trying to figure out like, oh, this is this this, this makes so much sense. Um, but it, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, no, you, you shouldn't have to advocate for yourself as someone with a disability. But also we don't live in an ideal world, you know? And, and so it is one of those interesting things where I'm like, yeah, the, the, I think you're doing the exactly right thing. Cause I, the other side of it is making it. So people are afraid to ask and not being able to inform themselves. And, and I can understand where that comes from too. Right. Like, it's like, Oh, you should know already, but well, that's not going to do anything to, to make any progress. And as someone with a disability and a limb difference and like, you know, I'm afraid to ask people questions. I'm afraid. And I have really good intentions. You know what I mean? I know that my intentions are good. I'm still afraid to offend someone accidentally. And I know that's heavily what a lot of people are feeling like, no matter if it comes off a little harsh or whatever, I don't think their intent was ever really that. It may be a bit ignorant. And so they didn't know that that was harsh, but I think the the climate that we're in is very cancely mm-hmm. and like with a lot of things whether that be lgbtq conversations disability conversations political conversations like it's a very touch and go 
environment these days. And so I can understand the fear as someone with a disability to even talk about other disabilities. Um, However, I think the more comfortable we get because of this climate in saying, I don't know, or I don't understand this. Can you help me understand this better in a genuine tone and way? I think we can get a long way and we can improve life for a lot of people, even people without disabilities, because no one wants to walk around not knowing how to communicate about it or, you know, like, do I hold the door for someone? Do I not? Like, I think these are things people genuinely think about. It's just not talked about as heavily. So we're still really uncomfortable and cautious. So I completely get that side because I, as I'm experiencing it too. Yeah. I I mean, we talked about, you know, how mental health has gotten easier to be talked about over the past few years, but yeah, you could really, I think just the state of conversation really roll that back and apply it to everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think, I mean, I know I have a lot of work to be, to do there. Cause even, you know, reflecting on talking about other folks in, in, in my industry and critiquing them and whatnot, like no one rolls out of bed in the morning being like, I'm going to do a bad job today. Like I'm going to be a bad person. Well, unless you're a psychopath and then like, yeah. well, I'm sorry, but. <laughs> and those um, are far and few between. Right. So, and, and I think, you know, just having to, I know I have to remind myself, especially when you're really passionate about something and you're like, this is so obviously wrong. You just, it's just so easy yeah. to blow past all the like, well, maybe they didn't mean that. And, and again, I think it's, it's such a balance of, you know, setting boundaries where like, you cannot, you cannot go out of your way and like actively harm yourself trying to educate other people like there is a limit right Mm -hmm. but also i guess just giving everybody a little bit benefit of the doubt to be like okay maybe let's pause for a second what what did you mean by that or or what 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 was your intent behind that and that just because something seems like common knowledge doesn't mean that it is like we don't all have we're not all functioning with the same amount of information on everything and i think that's important to understand too uh I will leave off on this note. Chelsea Handler has changed quite a bit in the last decade. She used to be very, very, very abrasive. She still is, but kind of had no regard for people and their feelings. And a couple of years ago, she started going to therapy and working on all these things. And she's still a good comedian in my eyes. But it was so interesting to watch her be able to be like, I'm a bitch. And I can improve upon this. Like, I don't have to be this way. So she's like, if I don't go to the gym in the morning, I'm a nightmare to be around. Mm. And I think that's something to like, you got to know yourself, right? You have to know your limits and also be a duck in a way and not let other people's behavior and interactions impact you too much. Like they can impact you, but let's not carry it around for weeks or days, uh, maybe even hours. So I think that's important, too, is that, like, everyone's really only worried about themselves. Let's remember that. So not to take everything so personally. And we've all got a whole shit list of trauma that we're functioning through, you know. So I think, I don't know, at the end of the day, having these more authentic conversations, even with strangers, is important for everyone. And I really appreciate your candidness and your willingness to talk about these things with me since you really have, we don't know each other. Um, me too. This is but great. It's, it's my favorite way to meet people 
is not through small chat. It's what's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, thank you. I, you too. Um, I, I think just, yeah, just a, a conversation in general, you know, everyone, I, I, I think we, we sort of touched on both being perfectionists uh, to some extent. And I think I always need the reminder that like life is messy and you're not going to have like the perfect interaction with every person and things aren't always going to go to plan. And I think it's very easy to get that way and be like, well, no, you should know this thing. And this should have been that way. And I should have reacted in this way. And it's just like, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And you're really just, you're just, you're uh, making your own life more miserable, you know? Yeah. So, that spiral in your head. Just uh, yeah. More conversation, more empathy, more, deep breaths. Yeah. Um, I, I did say I was going to end on that, but I have one more thing. You mentioned um, how like learning in the off time, you're not like billing for those times, those hours. As an entrepreneur and working either in small teams or heavily alone, how have you found um, collaboration? without it being people that you work directly with. Like even this for me has been very motivating and informative. I wish there was more of that easy, like it's more easily accessible. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm still figuring that part out, to be honest. I So I recently moved to Milwaukee from Salt Lake City um, this January. So it's only okay. been a few months. And the best thing I found so far is a uh, programming meetup. But the interesting thing about that is um, it still somewhat feels like work to me. So I I think I probably just need to find more in interests and embrace, you know, more of the hobbies that have sort of been set aside to focus on on a business. And I think that's something that I've just been reflecting on a lot over the past few months, I, you know, I've been not always in the best of health. Um, and that sort of contributes to everything else and snowballs a bit and, and really like taking a step back and being like, what, what, what do I want my life to look like? You know, instead of just like always being on the, um, on the hamster wheel of what can be running a business. Uh, so short answer, I think is you just have to find groups of people that you resonate with. Mm -hmm. Um, now I, find I do get along with like very similarly business-minded people. And so I think my challenge is going to be finding a group of folks like that who are not like, we're not, it's not, it's not career focused. It's not work focused. It's not like technology focused or whatever else. And I'm sure there's folks like that out there. I just have to like do a little bit more legwork and put myself in some more situations to to find those folks. But it's, it's, it's a good question. And one I, I hope to to find the answer to. Good. Pretty on brand for you too. I don't know, but we'll find out. There you go. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again for your time. Um, let's Thanks for having me. give a shout out to your handles and website, and then I'll put it all in the description as well. But if you want to give those. Uh, yeah, I guess if you want to find out more about the work we do at the Galactic, um, you could just go to our website, D-I-G-L-A-C-T-I-C.com. Um, you asked where that came from. It's it's really just a smush together of um, digital and galactic. And so it's sort of like space themey of like, um, you know, take your business rocket launch, whatever. Love it. Anyway, but um, <laughs> I came up with it, I think one night as I was about to fall, fall to sleep and I was like, 
hey, this is unique enough that no one has the domain and I can like trademark it or whatever. I found out that you're supposed to trademark things. So we did that. Um, and it worked. Yeah. And it's great. It's awesome. So that's that. Um, you can sort of, you can just find me around on the internet, like at Sheng Slogar. Um, trying not to be on like the traditional social medias as much these days um, and touch a little bit more grass. But yeah, you can Google me or search that handle in most places and you'll, and you'll find it. Uh, is LinkedIn a good place to find you if we're LinkedIn wanting is great. Just don't LinkedIn. don't pitch me. Let's see. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You you know who you are. You know. Yeah. You know don't be people. those people on LinkedIn. Okay. Be the cool we, people. Send send, yeah. send send a single emoji, and that's it. That's that's the way to, to connect, connect and me. then give a few weeks and then reach out. How about that? That's my exactly that's my vibe. I just had someone. I looked. They connected. I think two years ago. They waited two years to make a sales pitch. And I'm like. What sort of long tail? Well, it was, it's like, yes, but also maybe a little sooner. So maybe anywhere between <laughs> two years and like one week is, is a sweet spot. But that was more like, all right, uh, let me go through my LinkedIn contacts and see who I can pitch this to since no one else is working, maybe. Yeah, I, I have no idea. <laughs> um, cold calls and LinkedIn DMs are like my worst enemy. Yeah, I did actually just see a post. This girl was like, I want to talk about talk about sexual harassment on LinkedIn. And I was like, more of this content, because it has become a social media presence for a lot of people. Uh -huh. I'm also sick of people posting their like birthing stories on LinkedIn. Yeah, OK, interesting. I. I have lots of thoughts. This is episode number two. We'll have to do this again. Okay. But, uh, okay, do, okay. Do you get a lot of do you get a lot of like dudes in your DMs or? I do, and they're just like it's it's uh subtle, but it's like why else are you just saying hey repeatedly? Oh God. Or like See, guys, guys don't know what that's like. I don't. I mean, I don't. I mean, because it's go, only go guys it. doing it. Keep, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't. Straight cis guys. It seems like. <laughs> Why are guys? Why are men? Why? Why yeah. am I? Why are we? What <laughs> well, is life? <laughs> you're the ones that's helping everyone out, the good ones out, right? Because you're not being that so. way. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Okay, that's a good thing to end on, I guess. LinkedIn All sexual right. harassment. There you go. Cheers. No, but say hi. Connect. I'll I'll say hi back and go from there. Good or, or not, whatever, well, whatever, whatever your cup of tea. I look forward to working with you. I feel like we can figure this out somehow. Yeah. Both be pretty absolutely. beneficial to each other. Good. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Awesome. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Thanks, Chelsea. Bye. This episode is sponsored by Carla Riffle Makeup. I've been going to see Carla every time I want to feel my absolute hottest, whether that's a photo shoot, family photos, events, or I just want to treat myself. I go see Carla. She takes the time to listen to what I want. And she helps me find it since I know next to nothing about makeup and especially how to apply it. If you're getting married, you have family photos coming up, you want to just treat yourself, you know, anything that you need makeup for, she's your gal, okay? She can help you get there. You can find her on Instagram at Carla Riffle Makeup and book through her email, makeup at gmail.com. That's K-A-R-L-A. R-I-F-F-L-E, Carla Riffle Makeup at gmail.com.